You're listening to episode 11 of the Take the Reins podcast with Nikki Porter. Welcome, and thanks for stopping by. You're listening to Take the Reins, a weekly personal growth podcast for horse owners. If you're invested in becoming the best version of yourself in all your relationships, both human and equine, this is the spot for you. Through our conversations, you will learn how to become a stronger communicator, leader, and deepen the connection you crave both in and out of the arena. Horses have an awful lot to teach us, yet very little of it actually has to do with horses. They reflect back to you who you are emotionally, physically, and energetically. They are a mirror to your soul, and it is time to take an honest look at who you are and who you want to become. I can't wait to connect with you, so here we go. Hello and welcome back. It is officially halfway through January and it's so crazy how fast this month is going. We are halfway through the first month of 2020. I hope the new year is treating you so well. And I really want to just first of all say a huge thank you to all of you who have reached out to me and encouraged me along this path of creating this podcast and really diving into my coaching practice. I cannot say thank you enough. I've had so much feedback from people that either I know or I don't know just saying how they, you know, they're they're taking the uh, the podcast along for drives with them or while they're doing chores or whatever that may be and that they really appreciate what I'm putting out there and I I appreciate you letting me know. So thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart. I truly appreciate the support and it's really just going to get better because I have some awesome topics coming up and today's topic is not an exception. It is definitely going to be one that I feel passionate about. It's one that has impacted me over the last few years and I've really started to prioritize what I'm going to be talking about in my own life and then encouraging people around me to do the same. So we're going to start talking about it now instead of just talking around it. Today I want to talk about just being loyal to yourself and to what you want or you do in your life in order to be happy and find joy because you know, there's so much influence around us all of the time, whether it be from the media or family or friends or whatever it may be. And it's really easy to get caught up and swept up in what we think other people think we should be doing or, you know, what is the right thing to do. And we don't really slow down and listen to what we feel we need to be doing or what we should be doing in order for us to be living the life that we truly, truly desire. I have a couple examples of this very thing in my own life that I want to tell you about today because I really hope that it helps inspire you or helps to just understand that, you know, you're not alone if you're feeling a little bit of a pushback against the social norms about what you feel like 
you should be doing versus what you really would like to be doing. So the first thing that I'm going to talk about is actually to do with my daughter. And it was it's all around her first year of school. I had a little bit of resistance coming up for myself when it came to sending my daughter to school in the first place because I felt like she was just so young and even though she was mentally mature or she wasn't even necessarily all that mentally mature but she appeared to be more mature than she was because she could say big words and she could say words that people wouldn't expect a five-year-old to put into a sentence and she said them all in context and her language and her conversation was so mature for a five-year-old that you know she appeared to be a little more ready for school probably than she actually was. So when it came time for her to go to school, things were going okay. The first few days of school were a little bit of a challenge in the sense that, you know, she really didn't want to be there. She didn't want to be away from mommy and dropped off and being left there for the full day. And in the school that she goes to, even pre-primary now, now she didn't do pre-primary, but it is available there now. But from her going into her very first year, she was being dropped off at 8.30 in the morning and then I wasn't picking her up until 2.30. So it was a long time of being in this whole new routine and I knew that it was a bit of a challenge on her. The first couple weeks of school were predictably difficult in the mornings. And I did have one morning that I left the school crying because the principal literally like dragged my screaming, crying child off of my leg and it just felt so wrong in the moment for her to feel like she needed me so much and for me to just say, no, you don't need me and have somebody physically remove her and then for me to walk away from that situation and not be able to make sure that she was you know, emotionally and mentally well enough to then have an okay day or a better day. So that was a challenge. Those sort of situations really dissipated and and we kind of fell into a better routine and we could find our flow going to school a little easier and, and that was all good until about probably December, I think it was, And around December, I was getting some messages from her teacher that they just didn't really vibe with who my daughter was as a person. So the the messages I was getting were almost as if my daughter was being defiant in ways. And, you know, my child is a rule follower and it's, I'm not saying that in a bragging rights, I'm saying that in a very definite, you know, she, from the minute she could talk, she would ask me, mommy, if she's out playing, mommy, can I take my boots off or can I take my, my socks off where friends would be running by and like whipping, you know, their shirts off and not asking. She was, she's just always been very conscious of receiving approval of if she's doing the right thing. So when I was receiving these messages from school saying that, you know, she was refusing to do something or that she wasn't finishing her work on time or that she was too slow to do this or too slow to do that, it kind of set off some red flags for me. And then she started showing some physical symptoms. And I actually had a meeting with her teacher and her teacher in the meeting 
rather than getting those messages of defiance, flip the switch on me a little bit, which I was not expecting based on the messages I was getting, but flip the switch and and really started talking about the fact that she was worried about my daughter having an anxiety around writing and that she was showing signs of anxiety. Now, I used to be a high school English teacher and the fact that this particular teacher felt the need to use the word anxiety to describe the behaviors that she was seeing presented in my daughter. It hit me so hard. I remember when I was teaching high school, I had one particular student who I just adored. She was absolutely brilliant. When I thought about her potential, I didn't think of her as having the potential to go to university. I thought of her as having the potential to teach university. She was such a beautiful writer. She had so much talent and she was just so bright, but there was something holding her back and it was her anxiety. In class, I literally could not say her name. If I said her name, she would physically crumple and would end up often underneath her desk. Now I'm not talking about a grade six or seven student here. I'm talking about a grade 11 and 12 student. Someone who could not handle the pressure of me looking in her direction and and asking for her to voice her opinion in front of her peers because it was so difficult for her that she just couldn't get to the other side of it. Her anxiety really started to define her. Now, I think I was hypersensitive when this teacher used the word anxiety to describe my daughter because of my experience with these these other students that I've had, but this one particular student that I have dealt with in the past. When she told me this, I, you know, I knew that I was going to be starting to make some changes at home in order to have her not feel as though she needs to feel that anxiety or stress. I wanted to make sure that I was not contributing to her feelings of needing to write perfectly or or spell perfectly or you know not be able to get all of her thoughts down or whatever that may be felt like it was my responsibility and I know it was my responsibility as her mother to really take control of this situation. So I made a decision that is not necessarily accepted by society in the sense that our society is very hung up on you have to be on time and you need to make sure that when There's a certain schedule set that you teach your children and you make sure yourself that you are on time all of the time and that, you know, it's disrespectful to not be on time. I made the choice in that moment to change my child's morning routine and that if I noticed that she needed to sleep more, whether that was based on how she went to bed the night before, how she slept that night, or whatever that might be, But if she needed to sleep more in the morning and she was showing that, I was not going to wake her up. So I made the conscious choice that I would not be rushing her out of bed if she was showing that she needed a little more sleep. Then once she was up, I put a lot of effort into making sure that we were creating a morning routine that 
She knew that she needed to get ready on a specific timeline. So me saying to her, okay, I need you to go and get dressed now. I'd like you, you have 10 minutes to go to your room, get dressed. We would even set timers so that she understood the importance of being able to prioritize doing things within a certain time limit so that, you know, she was gaining those lessons. But at the same time, if I looked at the clock and I saw that it was 8.30 and her school bell rang at 8.35, if I saw that it was 8.30, I would not handle her in a way that made our life feel more stressed on the other side of it. So I would notice, yes, we're running late, but it's no big deal because if I then started getting into her and saying, listen, we're going to be late and we need to get going. And then I wasn't really conscious about how I was handling her. Then I was starting her day off on the wrong foot already. And I was contributing to the anxiety around school by not handling her in the way she needed to be handled first thing in the morning so that she was going to school mentally and emotionally prepared for her day. So this being said, I know this is a long story, but it's it's really important. And I feel like when we make decisions for ourselves or for our family that other people don't understand. Often they like to, and maybe I shouldn't even say that they like to, they often do it without even knowing that they're doing it and knowing that they're they're shaming someone for it just because of a lack of understanding. So from that December on, I think we went two months at least, where my daughter was not on time for school. Now, she was always there within a 15 or 20 minute window. There were days that she was missing O Canada. There was days that she was missing the very beginning of that morning routine. And I understood the importance of the morning routine. However, I also understood the importance of my child's need to have a morning that was not filled with stress And then expecting her to be able to relax and learn from a positive place for the rest of the day. This being said, I probably should have or could have communicated my plans or what I was going to do a little more clearly with the teacher. I probably should have sent an email um, and set up a meeting and said, like, this is what I'm going to be doing. But I really didn't feel like this particular teacher was going to be that open to my idea. So I carried on with what I was doing and when I received notes in her agenda home suggesting that we put more effort into being on time and that she was missing some things in the morning and that it might affect her and whatever else, I really just stayed true to what I felt I was doing that was right And I communicated back as clearly as possible, just saying like, believe me, I am a person who believes on being on time as well. I understand the importance. It's not a lesson that I won't be teaching my daughter, but at this point in time, I really need to be able to adjust her morning routine so that she is going into her day best prepared to handle what's going to be happening mentally, emotionally, and everything else in between for her so that I can teach her the skills to be able to work through the anxiety 
versus just say, okay, she's showing signs of anxiety, but listen, she really just needs to be on time. I was not willing to ignore those signs at the age of five and then deal with them down the road if what I really felt was going to work, which was just changing that morning routine a little bit, would work now. So I stuck with it. And, you know, I even got a, a, a comment on her report card. And I actually, I did feel a little twinge of, oh, like, she just had to put that in there, didn't she? And, and I put, tucked her report card away. It was a grade primary report card. She met every outcome at either, you know, meeting expectation or above. And it was a great report card, but that, that one line of punctuality really, she, she needs to learn how to be punctual. And I agree with that 100%. However, at the age that she was at, my priority was her mental health. And so I made choices that then translated to her learning how to cope at this age and not have to deal with it later on in life. Now, my decision was not the popular decision. My decision to change that morning routine and have my child show up late for her class on a regular basis is not a popular decision. So I definitely met a little bit of pushback and I just needed to make sure that what I was doing at that time was right for her and was right for me and that you know if anyone misunderstood it or if anyone thought it was coming from a place of you know me being lazy and just not pushing and and making sure that I'm getting her there on time or you know her not getting I I don't know enough guidance to get there I have I have no idea what people might think on the other side of that but I know that If they had any sort of pushback, I had a reason and was able to say, this is the decision that I've made. This is why we're doing what we're doing and it's working. So now, you know, she's in grade one. She is gladly going to school. Her confidence has changed dramatically. She's showing her true potential in school And we have been on time so far this year, every single day. So yes, the popular decision is to hustle, 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 get there, get there, get there. But it wasn't right for her or I. And I was really lucky to have the flexibility in my schedule to be able to make that change. And I know that that's not the case for everyone. I know that not everyone has that flexibility where they, you know, they can take it a little slower in the morning. But I guess really what I need you to know is that if you feel like there's something that just, you know, it's true to you, and even if it goes against the societal norm of what, or what your family or friends think you should be doing, but you know it's the right thing for you, it's the healthy thing for you, then try to figure out a way to make that work for you. And try to understand that when people talk about it and when people misunderstand it or they misrepresent what you're doing, whether that be through a form of gossip or pushback on you in any sort of way, just, you know, smile, send them grace and just understand that they're just trying to make sense of it 
and that it needs to make sense to them in order for their world to make sense. And even if it's not true, it isn't true to what you're actually doing, you may just have to leave it alone and allow them to have that in order for you to have peace and for them to feel justified in what they're feeling. Another situation that I see this come up in is with people and their work with their horses. And so I really wanted to tell the story about my daughter before going into the conversation about the horse. Because when we're talking about our kids as mothers or fathers or parental figures, I think that it's easy for everyone to understand the importance of making those decisions for the health and the well-being of a child. But when it comes time for people to make specific choices that they believe in their heart of hearts is true and right for them and their horse, sometimes opinion becomes so strong that that people really feel like what the other person doing is doing is wrong and they really voice that opinion so strongly in a way that is not overly helpful and it's not necessary in that time because at some point we have to trust that what other people are doing you know for their children or their animals it's in the best interest of that animal or that child so for For instance, if I'm thinking about someone who, you know, typically trains at a specific barn and they're really struggling and the methods that are being taught at that facility don't seem to be working. So it's been, you know, it could be years of struggle. It could be, you know, years of this person feeling like they're not going anywhere. They're not getting anywhere. And they may even feel like they're going backwards instead of forward. Or or maybe things have gotten so bad that anxiety or stress have stopped them from enjoying their horse or going to the barn and really using their horse the way that they want to. And then, you know, when they discover another way, when they discover that there's other ways, so there's lots of different ways. What is the saying? There's, um, you know, a million ways to skin a cat. Well, sometimes we discover these other ways that, you know, are a little different and they don't, they don't fit the norm. So sometimes, um, I guess, I guess one of the places that we might see this, and I I hear this a lot with people that come from the the English world, is that the idea of really getting deep into that groundwork and, you know, stepping off of your horse and creating that connection from the ground, it isn't as accepted as it seems to be in the Western world. And when these English riders who are struggling step out of the norm and step out of what other people around them feel is the right thing to do and they start doing things that they feel is right for them and their horse and both of their mental, emotional, and physical health, it's very important for the people around them to understand and accept that. And if they can't, if the people that are around you can't accept that you're going to choose to do something different, that you are choosing to do something that they don't understand. You just allow that to take place and understand it's not a reflection of you necessarily making a mistake, 
but that you're just making them a little uncomfortable by being brave and doing something that they don't quite understand. I think this is really important to talk about with the amount of information that is out there today. So right now, if you had a question about anything, whether it to be to do with horses or kids or relationships or nutrition or literally anything, you could go on Google and find an answer. You're not going to find the same answer from every single website or every single professional, every single, you know, Joe Blow that just decided to create a website. You're going to find multiple different answers that offer lots of insight and lots of proof from all angles. And it's really going to be up to you to figure out what works best for you. What is the... What is the thing that you think flows best with, you know, where you are and where you want to go? Now, this being said, you might even find that you don't just stick with. So, so here's an example. When it comes to horsemanship, my husband and I don't specifically teach a program we of, of someone else's. So we don't teach the Pirelli program. We don't teach the Clinton Anderson program. We don't teach just what we've learned from Jim Anderson or just what we've learned about the Buck program. We really look at all aspects of these different horsemanship programs and we take what works for us and we leave what doesn't work behind and we don't say it's wrong. We just say that it's not necessarily what we need right now. And it's really important to know that just because it's not what we need or what we understand will work for us right now does not mean that it will not work for us later or that it's not something we will take on and use later when we're at a different point in our understanding. I think that really is just my main message for today. I wanted to be able to share those two stories with you in order to be able to allow you to understand that if you right now are feeling like there's something in your life that there's a decision that you need to make that you're feeling hesitant about because it pushes against the norm. It's not something that is necessarily accepted by the circle that you're around, by society or by your family, that even if that's the case, you can move forward with it. If you know that it is true to you, that it's healthy for you, and it's the right thing to do, you just need to get a little quiet Make sure that you're making the decision for the right reasons and move forward. And it's going to be uncomfortable and it's going to be misunderstood and it's okay. Because what you're going to do on the other side of that decision is inspire other people to be able to step out of the norm and do what's best for them versus what they think is best for others. And you're also going to feel so good about your ability to trust yourself. Trust that you know what's best and that if it's not accepted by everyone else, it's perfectly okay.
Well, that's it for today. Thank you for choosing to spend your time with me. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, please leave a review and share it with your friends. To learn more about me and what else I have on the go, skip on over to NikkiPorter.ca. Thanks again for listening, and we'll connect again next week. Until then, remember, you have the power to take the reins and live the life you've always wanted. You just have to step into the arena with an open heart and an open mind.